the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Prayer is hard enough on its own, but when temptation and evil surround us, it makes it even harder still. All the more reason to pray, lead us not into temptation, and deliver us from evil. That's our subject today on Abounding Grace. Join us. The Ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose, this is Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Greetings and welcome to our program. We're continuing our series on the Lord's Prayer, and today we've come to the sixth petition of the Lord's Prayer, Lead Us Not Into Temptation, Deliver Us From Evil. We'll be spending some time looking at this petition and why it's important for us to keep it as a daily part of our prayer life. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. Peter, who just couldn't wait to get back to Jesus and ask him to forgive him, jumped out of the boat to get there as quick as he could. That's the way the happiest people in the world are who truly pray the sixth petition and know what it is to be broken over their sin and to feel sorrow and grief over. Because, you see, it drives them to the one person who can do them any good. It drives them to the Lord Jesus Christ, who not only cleanses them and comforts them and strengthens them and encourages them and builds them up and edifies them, but who by the Spirit, through the Word and the sacraments, reassures them that He is their Savior and that they do belong to Him. Well, how does God answer the sixth petition when we pray it? God gives us the strength to fight the battle against sin and temptation. In and of ourselves, as we shall see in another sermon, we have no strength to overcome our sins. But when we pray the sixth petition, God enables and strengthens us to fight the battle against sin and the temptation that we have to face every moment of our lives. He instills within us a a deeper love for the will of God found in the Holy Scripture. We love as Christians doing God's will, and it grieves us when we don't. He makes us more watchful over our hearts so that we guard them with more diligence. He enables us to be more consistent in putting off the old self and its deeds and in putting on the new self with mercy and kindness and humility of mind and meekness and long-suffering and love, which is the bond of perfection. In other words, God gives us the desire and the ability to put on the armor of God, to be fully equipped and fully prepared as a Christian, that we might fight the good fight of faith, and that in this fight we may not be defeated and may not be overcome by evil, but might persevere unto the end. And you can also tell God is answering your prayers of the fifth petition because you want to pray them 
pray it more fervently. The more you understand yourself, the more you understand the need you have to pray this prayer, the more you understand the fullness of salvation and the fullness of forgiveness, the strengthening we have in the Lord Jesus Christ, the more you are drawn to Him and the less you are going to want that relationship with Christ to be disturbed or interrupted. So, the more fervent you are going to pray, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know, we say we, want, we don't want anything in our lives that would not be pleasing to our Lord Jesus Christ and that would interrupt our relationship to Him. So one of the ways we can tell whether or not God has answered our prayers is we more and more fervently are wanting to pray the Lord's Prayer and the Sixth Petition. And it's really coming from the heart. And then lastly, you will recognize as you pray the sixth petition that it will not really be fully answered until you and I arrive at perfection, at our resurrection and eternal glory. God hears your petition and all of your prayers right here and now in the midst of all kinds of temptations. But beloved, he will not deliver us completely from evil until the last day. So we pray with this petition, Lord, give me perseverance to the end. Help me not to give in or to give out until the end of my life, because I know it is not until the end that you will give me the great desire of my heart, and that is for you to free me from all evil. Well, there are three prepositions to this prayer. Three things that are presuppositions, I'm sorry, to this prayer. Three things that are true, and because they are true, you and I can pray this petition. And, of course, you and I must pray this petition. And we're not going to look at all of them today, but we're going to begin. And those three realities, those three presuppositions that make this sixth petition possible and that make it necessary are the sovereignty of God. You've got to understand if God isn't sovereign, there's no use in praying the sixth petition. I'll tell you that for sure. The sovereignty of God, and then there is the power of evil. If evil wasn't as powerful as it is, you wouldn't need to pray this petition. And third, the weakness of men. If we weren't as weak as we are, we would not need to pray this petition. So let's look, first of all, at the sovereignty of God today. The more serious we take these three truths, the more fervently we will pray the sixth petition. And praise the Lord, our God is indeed sovereign. Listen to what our larger catechism says. Acknowledging that the most wise, righteous, and gracious God for various holy and just ends, may so order things that we may be assaulted, foiled, frustrated, and defeated, and for a time led captive by temptations. Whenever you and I pray the sixth petition, we are literally confessing our faith in the absolute and total sovereignty of God not only with respect to everything generally, but particularly with respect to sin and evil, with respect to Satan, with respect to this wicked world, and to our own sinful nature. And we are saying, 
that we cannot be overcome by temptation unless God leads us unto it. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil is a confession of faith that God has foreordained whatsoever comes to pass. And it is in total, and He is in total control of the affairs and the activities of men. And He can do whatever He wants. He can bring about whatever He wants to happen in our lives. If He wants to not lead us in temptation, He won't lead us into temptation. If He wants to deliver us from evil, He will. He is the sovereign God. That is what we read a while ago. Kevin. The Lord identifies Himself with, I am God and there is no other. I am the one who causes well-being and the one who causes calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. And remember, he said, whatever I plan that I will do, I will accomplish all of my good pleasure and all of my purpose. And this includes tragedies. This even includes God working out and orchestrating the sinful activities of men without condoning those actions. Nevertheless, he causes them to work together for the good of his people. God causes the wrath of the wicked to please him, says the Psalms. And we see in Acts 4 that God causes the wrath of the wicked to please him. Acts 4, 27 and 28. For today in this city there were gathered together against the holy servant Jesus, whom thou didst anoint, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever thy hand, God, had, uh, uh, whatever thy hand, God, and thy purpose predestined to occur. Beloved, no one would be tempted unless the Lord orchestrated it, ever. No one would be led out of temptation unless the Lord led them, ever. The only people who are not overcome by evil are those whom the Lord foreordained would never be overcome by evil. The only way we can pray such a prayer, though, is, is to pray to a God who is absolutely sovereign and in control of all of the affairs of men and who will do whatever he pleases. But bear in mind that our catechism emphasizes that in these decrees of God, he is most wise and most righteous and most gracious. We, of course, can't understand God many times. There will be things God brings into your lives by His sovereign will that we cannot understand why, and He may never explain why. But there are certain things about God that we must never lose sight of. And one is that in all He has planned for your life and His control of the human race and all that happens, God is most wise. Much, much wiser, of course, than you and me. He's so wise that he can cause whatever happens in your life, including tragedy and sin, to work together for your good and for his glory. God is most righteous. That is, he never acts out of character. Everything he does, whether you can see it or not, is good and holy and righteous. God is never unholy, unfair, unwise, unrighteous, or unjust. 
no matter how much something may appear to you to be unfair in what God brings into your life, that criticism says more about you than it does about the living God. Because God is more righteous and God is most glorious and gracious. That is, in all of his dealings with us, whether we can understand them or not, God is concerned for the welfare and happiness and the holiness of his people. God never deals with us as our sins deserve, but only as Christ deserved. You see, that is the lesson Job had to learn. Lord, why in the world are you doing this to me? Job cried out. I'm the most righteous man in my culture. And he was because you know why? God told us he was. He was a man of deep and fallible integrity. Lord, why are you causing such troubling things to happen to me? And what was the lesson that God taught him? Job, it was all of my grace. I was doing these things to you not to punish you, but to overcome sin in your life and to show you that you can rejoice in my care of you at all times. And our catechism and our confession, and more importantly, the scriptures say that our sovereign God sometimes so orders and orchestrates things so that his dearly beloved people may be assaulted, frustrated, defeated, and for a time led captive by temptations. Can you imagine? It says sometimes God in his sovereignty so orders things that his dearly beloved people may be assaulted by sin and the devil, frustrated and defeated by sin and for a time led captive by temptations. You say, why in the world would God want to do anything like that? The Bible tells us that he has holy and just reasons for all the things that he does. Understand, beloved, God has a perfectly good reason for all he does in your life. He may not tell you that reason, and it may seem mysterious to you. But whatever it is that God brings into your life, he has a reason for it. So that if, you, if he was to tell you that reason, you'd say, oh, of course, now I understand why you allowed me to have that traffic accident. I see now why you had someone kill all my children and take away, this is Job, and take away all my wealth and my health and cause me to lose the sympathy of my wife. It is so clear to me now, Lord, God always has a perfectly good reason for everything that he does. He may not always show it to us, but the comfort and the encouragement is to know that God has a definitive reason for everything he does in your life. And it is always for your good and for the growth of your faith. Consider the life of King Hezekiah. King Hezekiah was a godly man. We read in 2 Chronicles 32, 31, And even in the manner of the envoys of the rulers of Babylon who were sent to him, that is, Hezekiah, to inquire of the wonder that had happened in the land, God left him, Hezekiah, alone to test him that he may know all that is in his heart. Now what is this little phrase talking about? With reference to the Babylonian envoys, 
God left godly King Hezekiah, who loved the Lord with all of his heart, who was courageous in the midst of his enemies. God left him alone to test him to see what was in his heart. Now, what was God getting at? Well, if you would turn with me to Isaiah 39, where you have the story of the Babylonian envoys. Isaiah 39 And I will read verses 1 through 8, which actually is the entire chapter. At that time, Merodach Baladan and son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he had heard that he had been sick and was recovered. And Hezekiah was glad of them, and showed them the house of his precious things, the silver and the gold and the spices and the precious ointment, and all of the house of his armor, and all that was found in his treasure. There was nothing in his house, nor in all his dominion, that Hezekiah showed them not. Then came Isaiah the prophet unto king Hezekiah, and said unto him, What said these men? And from whence came they unto thee? And Hezekiah said, They are come from a far country unto me, even from Babylon. Then he said, What have they seen in thine house? And Hezekiah answered, All that is in mine house have they seen. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not showed them. Then said Isaiah to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days come that all that is in thine house and that which is thy father's have laid up in store until this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. And of thy sons that shall issue from thee, which thou shalt begat, shall they take away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Then said Hezekiah to Isaiah, Good is the word of the Lord which thou hast spoken. He said, Moreover, for there shall be peace and truth in my days. Here is King Hezekiah. Babylon is a great threat to his kingdom. Yet Hezekiah gives an invitation to the leaders so he could impress them. God left him alone to see what he would do in this situation. Now, of course, God never leaves his children absolutely alone ever. I'm sure you all know that. Deuteronomy 31, 6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. So God did leave him in a relative sense, so that Hezekiah would have to depend largely upon his own wisdom and his own strength, because God wanted to test him to see if he would be humble. God had to humble him once before. He made him sick, almost unto death. He had pride in his heart, and God made him terminally ill. And then God healed him and humbled his heart. God tests him again now to see if he is still humble. So King Hezekiah calls in the Babylonian envoy, and he says, Come here, I want to show you something. Then he takes these men, his enemy, into his house, and he shows them all of his great treasures, He shows him the strength of his army and his weapons. Now, what do you think the Babylonians did? It made them salivate. He gave away all of his secrets and showed them all of his treasure. And Isaiah comes to him and says, in so many words, Hezekiah, what have you done? 
God left you alone to test you, to see if you would stand up to your enemies in a a wise and and humble way. But you caved in and allowed pride to, to take control, and you showed off. You wet the appetites of the Babylonian leaders, and now they're going to come in and steal your wealth. Your children are going to be slaves in the administration of the Babylonian king. God left this godly man alone who loved the Lord with all of his heart to see if he would be wise. Hezekiah, I want you to know of what you are still capable of doing if I leave you alone. Tested and failed. God ordered things in such a way that Hezekiah had to depend in a large part on himself, and he failed. But the last verse tells us a great deal about what kind of man Hezekiah was. Isaiah says, you're a fool, Hezekiah. You gave away the nation's secrets. Babylonia will will destroy your country. Your throne will fall. Your sons will be taken as slaves. Beloved, how would you react to such news? Because of my arrogance and stupidity, I've given away my country. I've given away my sons because I wanted to show off. And what did Hezekiah do? Verse 8. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, The word of the Lord which you spoke is good. Hezekiah was hurting. He was a broken man, but he learned his lesson that God had foreordained for him to learn. That's why our sovereign God orders things in a certain way to foil us in order for sin to attack us and for us to be held captive to temptations so we can learn the lessons he wants us to learn about himself and about ourselves. Hezekiah was made to stand alone so that he could see there was still pride in his heart that always brings destruction. That is, God brings things like pain and anguish into our lives to mold us more and more into the image of Christ. Let me close with this great quote from Herman Hoeksema. Perhaps we have a deeply rooted personal weakness And God lets us go all the way into that sin in order that we may learn to abhor it. Perhaps we are proud and God causes us to stumble over our pride that we may be humbled. Perhaps we're always walking on the very edge of the world and God lets us slip right into the world that we may be cured of our carelessness and be sanctified. Perhaps we're playing with the fire of worldly pleasure and God caused us to burn ourselves badly that we may learn to keep our garments clean. The apostle Peter was inclined to trust in self and boast in his own strength and the Lord warned him. But the more he warned him, the more loudly Peter boasted that he was ready to go into prison and suffer death and that he would never be offended. And God prepared all the circumstances for Peter's temptation. He let him climb the full height of his self-confidence in order to withdraw his grace and his spirit from him, though not entirely, and expose his utter lack of strength by leading him into the trap of temptation when he denied his Lord.
And thus the Lord sanctifies and reforms His children that they might be saved. He puts us through the fires of temptations, but the child of God is deathly afraid of God's extreme remedy. He dreads it. He hopes that it may never be necessary. But that is how God must deal with us sometimes. He leads us through the pitfalls and dangers of fires and injuries and temptation, sovereign God that He is. And sometimes in the midst of that valley, He leaves us alone to teach us to be completely dependent upon Him. End quote. Now, how does that make you feel as a sincere child of God? I can assure you it makes most of us deathly afraid of this particular way of learning. It makes us deeply afraid of this type of extreme measure, this extreme remedy, and we dread it. Oh Lord, may it never be necessary for you to leave me alone like you left Hezekiah so that I must learn the hard way things about myself that are destructive and learn to be dependent upon you. So with all my heart, oh God, I pray. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me completely from evil. Amen. Well, that's all the time we have today. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, we would invite you to contact us for a copy of the program. They're available for just $5. Mention today's date and we'll send a CD your way. Here's where to write to us. PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That's in Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. Los Gatos, California, 95032 is that address. Our phone number, if you'd rather call, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website is reformedheritage.org, and if you'd like to join us for worship, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. We meet at the Lone Hill Church on 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions at our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, call 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies in God's Word. Until then, may Christ be your abounding grace.